podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Texas podcast. We got a little bit of housekeeping to do, and I realized that in our haste and or in our eagerness to kind of start the episode this week, um, we didn't even record an intro, and there was a few things that we needed to say and clear up, so I'm going to take a few minutes to do that. This won't take more than three, four minutes, probably. If you want to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, all that stuff is in the links in the description. Twitter's the main thing. We're trying to get a thousand followers before the end of the new year, so uh, or before the start of the new year, rather. So if you are on Twitter and you don't follow us, or if this is your first time listening, or whatever the case may be, remember to follow us. Um, everything is much appreciated. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. Shout out to you guys. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review, and we will read it on the show. We had a few this week, so I'll try to read these as quick as I can so we can get into the show. This one comes from Great Britain. It says, brilliant podcast, a must listen. Absolutely love talking tactics and have done for a while. It gives a fresh perspective. It offers something that other football podcasts don't and an increasingly oversaturated market. Great analysis, coverage, and humor to boot with genuine chemistry and rapport between the guys and the fans. Keep up the great work, guys. Cheers, Ryan. So yeah, thank you for that review, man. This one comes from Canada. Listen to the pod every week. Love what you guys are doing. You guys used to review all of the Premier League games. Why did you guys stop doing that? Keep up the good work, Chelsea FC. <laughs> uh, from Twitch Cough. Um, why do we stop reviewing all the EPL games? Because most of the EP- not most, a lot of the EPL games be trash, man. Let's keep it real. We love the league. It's like the greatest league in the world in terms of like sponsoring and fanship and attention and all that stuff. But you know, I'm, when I'm about to do five minutes of Burnley against Norwich, no disrespect to Burnley and Norwich, but come on, man. So I'd rather talk about Spain, Germany, Italy, France, Champions League, Europa League, societal issues, just anything else than, you know, Aston Villa against Crystal Palace. Again, no disrespect, but there's more interesting things in football than the Premier League. And I think as a podcast that has a broad listenership, I think it's better for us if we talk about more things than just England. Yeah. And the games be trash. Um, but yeah, thank you for that review. And last review from the United States, making Tuesdays a little bit better. Oh, uh, great show every week without fail. Only suggestion would be to actually set up the voicemail thing you guys mentioned a few weeks back. Stay black from May 19, 2012. That's a Chelsea fan. That's a Chelsea fan. We know. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to do that for free. So if somebody wants to hit me up and tell me how to do it for free. Talking Tactics on Twitter. DMs are open. How do you set up a voicemail? It's something I thought of, but it's not something I know how to execute, which is just about everything I think of in my life. So if somebody knows how to do that, get in contact with me. Um, I'm a serial procrastinator, so you know I'll raise my hands in that sense. But yeah, it's something I want to do just to get you guys more. I'm noticing now I'm running out of time from the time I said. So this week's... Oh, we're on Patreon, of course. So if you guys want to help out the show monetarily, um, we record 30 to 40 minutes every week for you guys. If you want to take a time and take the time to go look through the tiers, $3 a month, and you get, you know, four to five episodes of Talking Tactics plus access to the whole back catalog. I think we've done about 40 episodes. So 40 episodes times 35 minutes. You guys can work that out. It's like 20 hours of content. So yeah, you get access to that and, you know, input on what we talk about if you feel so inclined to, to suggest things. So I encourage everybody, if you're interested in kind of the tangents that we go on 
in the regular podcast and talking tactics is it's it's good. Um, and shout out to everybody that's a Patreon. I'm gonna have to start putting y'all names somewhere special or something like that. But yeah, pretty sure that's it. I'm rushing if you can't tell. Yeah, this week we had our great friend Paul. Shout out to Paul for being on the podcast this week um, from the United Rantcasts. Always been dope. Always a great guest. We talked about gambling this week. And I <laughs> we're going to start the podcast in about 30 seconds. I do want to say the way this week's podcast went, like every international break, I think we're going to start doing these more directed, pointed conversations, which we kind of talk about before we start. But this is just one side or largely one side, I think, of the gambling conversation. But there's another side. Eventually, we're going to ha- come back to the topic. And I want to have somebody that's maybe not pro-gambling. I guess that's the wrong word. But maybe who's more amenable or open to the idea. And uh, we can have kind of the different side of the same conversation, if you will. So this isn't like the talking tactics position necessarily on gambling. It's just one side of, of that conversation. So without further ado, this was just our conversation with Paul. Have Hope comes in somewhere after like maybe like five minutes or so. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Take something from it. So yeah, enjoy. Uh, we had this running joke for the first five years of our podcast, basically, which was like, what's Phil Jones's best position? Because we just got offered asked it so many times in the first couple of seasons that he was at United. Does he have one? Oh, well, that was when everyone was deeply emotionally invested in the future of Phil Jones. Mm. I was going to say, you know, um, you know, I was like, volunteering to be on the show after we won 4-0 against Chelsea uh, mm-hmm. last last Monday I was really I wasn't very well um, and if I'd been well I was going to message you and be like right listen I'm going to also volunteer to be on the show when we've lost 1-0 to Newcastle to show that I've got you know <laughs> I've got some backbone but, do you know what do you know what do you know what? I in my mind I thought I was going to ask you, but then I was like, I don't want to ask just because United are trash. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it. That way, you know, it felt almost like, you know, I'd be picking on him if I, if I, if I did if, if we didn't take the 4-0, but then they lost 1-0. It was like, yo, let's get Paul just so he can be miserable on the podcast. I was like, nah, I'm not even going to do that. So, all right. So the idea is we're going to just take on a topic during the international break. The first one we did was racism. Yeah. And I, there was something else. There was one topic that I had, but they didn't like it. Oh, okay. What <laughs> so was I was like, what, what about gambling? Do you guys have thoughts on gambling? And they were, Carl was like, ah, gambling, that's probably a good one to do. So I reached out to you because I figured, again, it's it's probably closely related to what you do. So what? Are, just firstly, what are your thoughts just on gambling in general? And then we can get in, into the specifics on so gambling are we- football. Are we going? Are we properly on? Are we live? Yeah, we're live now. Lovely. We started. So I think that, first of all, I I want to make it very clear that when I'm going to talk quite negatively about the gambling industry and gambling in football for almost every opinion that I express in this show. And I want to make it clear that um, this is not about like morality, some sort of, I don't know, some sort of like biblical idea that gambling is a sin and the very concept of it should be wiped out from our society. So it's, it's nothing like that. Um, but I think it's um, the gambling industry is is a plague on our society in a lot of ways. Like I, I think it's a, a manipulative and, and I would go so far as to probably be quite comfortable using the word evil, which is obviously a very intense word and I don't mean that everyone that works in it everyone associated with it should all be kind of written off and described as like evildoers but but as a collective industry I think it's an extraordinarily destructive force in in society oh it's the kid it's the kid 
Yeah, polio, polio. Aloha, aloha. Bonsoir, bonsoir, mon ami. Bonsoir. Evil. You you would consider it evil. As as an industry, I believe that a lot of its practices could be could be put into that bracket in terms of some of the uh, some of the worst excesses of the industry, and and certainly in terms of the extraordinary damage it does to people's lives. Yeah, because this this is a topic I've always just been interested in from somebody who's like on the outside looking in, right? And it seems like every shirt sponsor. Or not every, but just like a majority of them in That's England. A huge have, percentage. Have so I was doing research before we started, and half of the Premier League teams, so West Ham, Everton, Wolves, Burnley, Palace, Newcastle, Watford, Villa, Bournemouth, and Norwich, all have casinos or some sort of you know gambling thing on their shirts. In the championship, 17 out of 24 teams have some form of casino or betting representation. And I, I was reading an article, and it was like labor deregulated gambling in 2005. So does that have anything to do with this? Like, what, uh, was, was it was it always like this before? Well, I I it's interesting that you say 2005 because my memory of it was that things started to change in the first Labour government, the first Blairite Labour government in '97, where I think they they took tax off gambling winnings. And um, bookmakers used to there were there were quite sort of restrictive Victorian laws about um, I'm using Victorian not in a technical sense in a sort of metaphorical sense very old fashioned laws about what bookmakers could look like so uh, from the outside like the windows you couldn't see into the bookmakers from outside but now now you can. Um, so just for people listening, certainly people, I'm sure you have listeners in the States where gambling is incredibly highly regulated. It's much less regulated on the UK so in the UK. So you can't walk down a UK high street without seeing at least one and probably more than one bookmaker. Um, and interestingly, uh, as the high street sort of deteriorates in popularity, uh, in general, both in terms of the, the economics of austerity and the recession and all that kind of stuff here, but also in terms of the transition to online, bookmakers appear to be pretty thriving still, even kind of brick and mortar bookmakers. So I I, um, I can't remember uh, what the advertising laws were before 2005. I certainly remember big sporting events being sponsored by bookmakers. Um, you know, you would have the Ladbrokes so-and-so or whatever, you know, or the William Hill championships in various sports and stuff. I feel like snooker, there was always big um, gambling uh, sponsorships there. Um, but the, the prevalence on shirt sponsors, it's almost mind-blowing how readily accepted it is. The, the first one I noticed wasn't in England, though. I think the first one I noticed was like Real Madrid's B win. You remember those shirts? Like, yeah. I feel like that's the first time I ever just, hey, like, why is that a sponsor? <laughs> it's just like, it, it never made sense to me. But like, I'm someone who, who doesn't gamble. So, um, another thing I read between April 2017 and March 2018, did I say that right? Between April 2017 and March 2018. 14.4 billion pounds were lost to gambling. Yeah. So, like, people are really out here putting their money away, like, or just putting their money up, I suppose. So one of the reasons why I would use the word evil to describe this, that there is a... If you are a winning gambler, 
So it is possible. It's a myth to say that the house always wins. I mean, there are certain circumstances in which the house always wins. So if you walk into a casino um, to play any game other than poker, uh, you are gambling against the house and the house has a mathematical edge. So all casino games have a sliding scale of probability whereby the player has a disadvantage over the casino. So ultimately this means if a thousand bets are placed and the casino has say a 1% edge on every one of those thousand bets, over time the law of probability will kick in and the house will win. In sports betting, there are people who can beat the game. So the guy that owns Brentford, for example, is a guy who developed a bunch of um, advanced analytics and modeling techniques. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff around XG and things like that. Um, a lot of that has been most applied by sports gamblers. So you can be a winning sports better. But to be a winning sports better, you can't just have a good hunch or whatever. You've got to like do a ton of research, of research, and like in basketball, for example, people use uh, have been using analytics, and I, I believe the industry is somewhat caught up with the people using those tools and stuff. But anyway, I'm not an expert on that by any means. The thing is, though, if you're a winning sports better in the UK, your biggest challenge is going to be getting a bookmaker to accept your bet because. They don't accept bets from the people that are actually trying to work the system to their advantage. They only accept bets from punters and punters lose money gambling over the long run. Like the, the way gambling odds are set up are to um, essentially bookmakers are trying to offer less than the value of the, the real life value of the bet for each bet that they play that each bet that the punter places essentially so mm. if if the likelihood of something is genuinely two to one you won't get two to one odds on it you'll get one and a half to one odds um <laughs> so uh just again like odds are described in different ways in different countries so when i say two to one what i mean is uh, you bet one pound and when you win you get your stake of a pound back plus two pounds so you win two pounds for that one pound that you've put on um one and a half to one if you win your bet you'll you'll get your stake of a pound back plus 150 on top of it so yeah the the gambling industry is set up to take money away from its participants it is not set up to uh to enable people to win money off it so i bring all that just just the my little research that i did just to like set up maybe the some more pointed question to your profession like what does this industry do to the people that participate in it from your experience there's a distinction to be made between a very it's very similar to the alcohol industry right well right. there's a huge distinction to be made between people who are sat on a park bench drinking a bottle of cider and people who have a more hidden alcohol problem than that mm -hmm. uh, like so they may be drinking um I don't know, a bottle of wine a night or something like that, which is a hugely addicted level of drinking. It's a, it's a very large amount of alcohol to be consuming regularly, but it has this kind of sheen of social normality or whatever. Um, and everything in between and, and all the way down the other end of the spectrum. So there are people who are utterly destitute because of gambling addiction. You know, people who have lost absolutely everything in their lives. And very often those people are frowned upon 
by um, people that have not experienced addictions because it appears to be weakness or like uh, a moral failing or bad decision making or all these kinds of things. But we'll, we'll come back to why that's not particularly accurate. Um, but then there's all sorts of other levels of problem gambling too, where you're just like not paying as much attention to your kids as you would otherwise be because you're half distracted by your bet. And that's not taking over your life, but it's having a kind of subtly deleterious effect on your well-being and happiness. So, and then of course there are people who um, genuinely have no negative effects whatsoever from gambling bar they're likely to lose a few pounds but like five pounds you can definitely afford to lose I mean there's an argument to say you could use that money better but that's irrelevant like that's not what I'm talking about so I want to be really clear that there are plenty of people who are barely just like with alcohol any alcohol is a, is poison, you know, in a technical sense, alcohol is a poison, but there's plenty of people for whom alcohol is not a problem in their lives in any way, shape or form who engage with alcohol. And it's the same for gambling. But if you're talking about people with genuinely problematic gambling addiction, uh, then it just ruins lives. It ruins families. You know, when I use the word evil, one of the great scourges of watching any sport, but particularly football on television uh, in the UK is gambling advertising. It is absolutely relentless. The, gam the gambling companies have done an amazing job of associating football with gambling because every time the football stops, the gambling ads start. And that's in games where there's no gambling sponsorship being blasted at you while you're watching the game. There's one particular advert for gambling company, which every time I watch it, I um, I could almost tear up with anger, to be honest. Like that's the extent to how strongly I feel about it. And it's pitched as a comedic advert where um, there's one person on their phone talking about odds that are available on particular bets and someone else is with them experiencing a terrible situation now i believe there might be one on a on a spaceship or something and like all the machinery is failing and they're going to crash and one of them's just ignoring all that to look at his phone and gamble um and there's one where like they're in they're in like a cold arctic type setting and the windows i, I can't remember the specifics of it but everything's about to go horribly wrong and the guy who's gambling is ignoring all of that as the world falls apart around them now, that is pitched as a comedic, positive ad for a gambling company, and yet that is a horribly sick metaphor for what people with genuine gambling problems are doing in their lives. They're mm -hmm. surrounded by their life falling apart around them. Their family might be crumbling. They might you, you get people who are, you know, like with drug addiction, you get people who end up stealing to function, fund their gambling addiction, all these kinds of things. And... Um, and the gambling companies, of course, there's all sorts of, uh, like with the alcohol adverts, you know, drink responsibly, drinkaware.co.uk, funded by the alcohol companies. The, the gambling companies are all saying when the fun stops, stop. The thing about that is um, those messages have little to no bearing on a brain that is wired up for gambling addiction, wired into gambling addiction. So, and the gambling companies know this as well. Like they know that that's, um, that's not going to really do much, but anyway, so that was a, yeah, a long run. I was going to go kind of to have hope on that same subject. Like, do you find the gambling industry in England to be kind of overbearing in that way? Because I don't gamble. It doesn't. It doesn't really bother me. But then I think I think it was my brother that brought the the points. I was like, man, look, do you know how much 
advertising these gamblers do and you know how dangerous gambling could be so i was like oh so then after he then said that i was like i then switched my brain then really began to really look closely at the gambling advertising i was like oh my gosh what i mean do you know the actor um ray winston yeah like he's like i'm sure he must have done like a crazy deal with loud brooks because literally his ad is always played before games during games after games and everything like that so it's like I just think it's, just, it's one of those things where like it has it's has sort of embedded itself into the culture in England and people just sort of view it as like okay this is normal and and, and, and regular but I don't think that people realize that gambling is as much of an addiction as smoking or drugs are and they're very and there are people that could easily be susceptible to it and really fall danger to it it's like my um one of my cousins he um Basically, like, I think he was, I don't know where it was going to, but basically, the people who are known who have lost loads of money from gambling, but they then made it again, but they lose loads. But I said, man, look at how much you, you, you've lost doing that. So my thing about it is that the things that nobody has brought it up, it has never really been a major issue or a major talking point, which means that either you don't have enough numbers of people who have really fallen victim to this, or people who've tried to, to change this have sort of been shut down because these gambling companies make lots and lots of money. These guys make huge amounts of money. It's, it's, it's one of those things of where, like, I think once you really bear witness and you look at just how much, like, it's a loss. Like, once you actually start to notice the amounts that they advertise towards you to gamble, 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 just even, what's it called? Like, even whenever I'm around and, like, and there's, like, a, a match going on and, like, one of my friends would be, like, on their, on their phone, because they're just like doing this latest deal that this gambling company has sent to them. And they're like, oh, yo, 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 HH1, you, hey, you should get on this. I'm like, and it's, I'm, I'm actually tempted. Because I'm like, oh, that's actually a pretty good deal. So if I only put in a pound, I get this and I don't have to really be fully in there like that. So if I do a pound, I'm slowly being coerced into doing it. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no way. But it's like, there are so many different tricks that they use, sorts of mm. tricks that they use to try and get you initially like that because that's that's the key thing is them just getting you the initial once it gets you initially then they now build you in so gets you in for the long term but then again it's like i think the way that people in england view it is that you're responsible for it is like because i said it's the same as as drugs but the thing about the drug is there's a particular chemical within there that forces you to be addicted to it but with something like gambling it's literally just an enterprise. This is the thing that I, I kind of knew was going to come up. And mm. this is the kind of biggest myth about gambling addiction is that it's not equivalent to drug or alcohol addiction. No, 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 no but, but Paul, it's, it's, see, I was just playing devil's advocate there. Especially, I was saying... But the, this, thing about, the thing about this particular argument is the devil's advocate that you're, you really are advocating for... Well, I don't mean this like... I'm, I'm not, this is not my belief system or anything, mm. but you're effectively are advocating for the actual devil in this case, because it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's, it's just like, so um, there was a brilliant episode of um, uh, This American Life about gambling and uh, some addicted gamblers who were putting a class action lawsuit together against a bunch of casinos because they argued that the casinos were deliberately targeting their diminished responsibility. 
And it was very interesting. It's a fascinating, fascinating um, episode. And one of the very interesting things about it is it's almost conclusive from all the evidence that absolutely these gambling companies were doing exactly that. But the uh, the lawyers in the end basically all agreed, spoiler warning, the lawyers all agreed that um, it wasn't actually a legal issue. And I think that's completely reasonable that it's not a legal issue. But what is, what is inarguable is that when you're when you are actually in the throes of gambling addiction, what's happening in your brain is basically identical to what's happening in a drug or alcohol addiction. Um, the chemical, the chemical impact isn't external. So it's not like in, when you inject heroin, you obviously are flooding your system with a particular set of chemicals. But when you bet, when you're an addicted gambler, you are internally flooding your system with, an, with a set of chemicals that you'll be addicted to. You'll get the shakes. Your brain won't work properly when you don't gamble. You won't be able to, you literally, and now when I say you won't be able, I mean very literally without help and support or certain um, lifestyle changes and, and uh, protective factors, you literally can't not gamble when you're in that state. You know, um, I, I was reading, I was reading something that said some people can't watch a match without placing a bet. It's almost impossible for them to watch a match in that bed. The, the thing about that is that's, you know, when I was talking about the kind of sliding scale of it earlier, the, the thing about that, there are a lot of people that wouldn't think that they've got any kind of gambling problem because they're not gambling money they can't afford or mm. they're not kind of suffering from any lifestyle stuff, but who also would never watch a match without putting a bet on it. And that's where it starts to be like a gray area. And that's where it starts to be like, to me, that's in the realm of personal choice and, and you know, like, good luck to you. You can, that there's no, when I'm saying like, my position on this isn't moral, it's about how the industry behaves and how that affects people who genuinely don't have agency, proper agency over their actions. That doesn't mean you can't reclaim when you're addicted to gambling, just like when you're addicted to drugs or alcohol, recovery is absolutely possible with the right help and support, with the right, um, uh, structures and stuff that's absolutely correct but you know one of the things so when um when people are trying to give up drink like people who are properly addicted to alcohol and they're trying to give up one of the things that's incredibly hard is in in some ways giving up alcohol is actually harder than giving up heroin because they don't sell heroin in supermarkets you know, mm. and yet you can't walk around the shop without seeing the thing that you're addicted to. That's a big challenge. And alcohol's of uh, gambling is, of course, the same. It's so omnipresent. You know, you were talking about the culture, and this is just one one brief example. I mean, I'll try and be. I can't. I said brief. That I'm making big promises. I'm writing checks. I can't cash when I say brief. Um, but uh, during the cricket World Cup. Um, it was absolutely fascinating because every day there was a different game on. And uh, when there was an England game on, every single advert in the advertising breaks was for gambling company. But when it was Bangladesh against India, every single advert was for send money back home companies. Um, <laughs> so it was just really, it was really telling like the gambling companies were massively culturally targeting you know the the England games and in terms of football that you know you mentioned the sums of money well we all know uh, the Premier League is making its money from TV deals now a huge amount of that is uh, international money which is not um 
as far as I understand it, so universally backed by gambling ads. Certainly you wouldn't see that in adverts in the States or whatever. But in the UK, the TV deal is absolutely enormous. And of course, some of that money is coming from the subscriptions that people directly pay. Um, because by the way, we are paying to be advertised to by these gambling companies. These are adverts on paid television. Um, so you're paying like 30 quid a month for your Sky Sports subscription and then getting advertised to. But the money that is flowing into football from the television companies, well, apart from the money that's coming directly out of our pockets in subscriptions, the money that's flowing into the television companies is coming from gambling companies. You know, what's interesting. Like when Hapfolk brought up you know, they give like good deals and stuff and like mm. it kind of entices you to get in. You guys, <laughs> I don't know, maybe like a, a show like The Wire or something like that. Where like the, the first hit's free, baby. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Where like they give you like the first little hit for free. And then it's like now, now we've kind of got you on the hook and we can reel you in. It may be thinking like The Wire or some show like that. We're like, yo, they, they give you like free bets mm. essentially. And then once you get the free bet and you might win, then it's like, ah, it triggers that thing in your brain. Like, hey, I can make some money doing this. Or, or you know, it, it might play into the idea of, and I know football, you know, that kind of arrogance. 100%. This is the, the thing that I was saying earlier about the people that beat the system aren't the people who, like, know quite a lot about football. The people that beat the system are the people who are crunching numbers that no one else is crunching, basically. Um, so uh, and I also, it's so wholesome that you're... Uh, your examples about uh, drug use are from TV programs, Daniel. That's like really wholesome. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have first hand experience. <laughs> yeah, right, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, well, first hand experience with cocaine, definitely off TV, like <laughs> off TV. But anyway, half hope. Would you? How many? Do you think there's anyone who gambles that watches your like pre matches and like makes decisions off of that? Well, some people have, because sometimes I get the score right, and sometimes I think there was basically there was like a very mini run because look, you can never predict things. They can never, but there was a mini run where like, oh, like I was getting quite a few scores right. Then, whenever I did like before I do my my pre match, I would get some messages saying, oh, yo, your HH man, I'm thinking of putting a bet. What score do you think will that this match will be? <laughs> then I would sort of jokingly say like, yo. I would, I'm like I don't really want to endorse betting, but if you do bet and my score is right, I should get a portion of your win. <laughs> so, that's what I say. But I, I would say, I, you're really going to spend money on my prediction because obviously for me, I've given it a lot of thoughts. I've thought about okay, like you know, w what this team will will, will do, the stages, that the likelihood. I'm looking at different kinds of patterns and everything, but at the end of the day. Nobody can predict the future. Mm. And when you're using one person's, you know, this 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 podcast has like talked at extensive length about the eye test versus the stats test. And uh, one thing's for absolutely sure: if you want to be a professional gambler, do not be trying to use the eye test. Like you know, you're you're just then your ego is definitely going to be uh, costing you money. And you know, um, those kind of sign up deals. It's not just about the first tastes free for the people who get hugely addicted it's like if you sign up to a gambling company the vast most likely outcome is is that over your lifetime you'll you lose money to them and if that's completely worth it to you for the kind of fun that you get from the bet and the the buzz that you get from the times that you win the bet then then that's 
then you're not causing any harm to yourself or anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's then then that's not not an issue. It's just that any industry who's making you know, so um, you know, uh, vi- uh, like mobile phone games, like stuff like Clash of Clans and uh, these mobile phone games. The way they are basically marketed and targeted is to try to that they're about blasting to vast, vast, vast numbers of people because a small percentage of those people will spend a gargantuan fortune. So it's the same as the casino model of the whale. They're, they're looking for the person who's going to spend £250,000 lifetime on a video game. And, and those people definitely exist. Um, so th- the gambling model is kind of similar to that. For every kind of, you know, I don't know, let's say every 50,000 people that you get to sign up to a, a gambling site, one or two of those people are going to spend a vast fortune in their lifetime on that gambling mm-hmm. site. Now, some of those people might be billionaires with vast disposable incomes, but some of those people are definitely going to be p- vulnerable people who have been targeted by gambling adverts and lost the run of their lives. And then that's even before you start to talk about people who are already addicted gamblers trying to recover whilst constantly having how cool and fun gambling is blasted at you. Do you know what that reminds me of? Like, do you ever play like FIFA Ultimate Team? Or do you know of this? Oh, yeah. Like, there, are, there are people that have paid like 30,000 pounds a year or something like that just to get cards. And then like you, I guess you open the packs and you don't know what you're going to get from the packs, So you get that kind of dopamine hit or whatever it is. And people just sit there and use their parents' credit cards and their, uh, their parents' money, and they just like rack up a bunch of debt to EA Sports or whatever it is. Like, just absolutely. And and by the way, it's not an accident that those packs are blind packs, and it's not an accident that there's a cool animation when you open. What I've not actually played FIFA Ultimate Team, but like many many games have the same principle. It's not an accident. It's because there's something in us that that plays to the heart of. You know, it, it gets us in a certain way, that kind of thing. And it does trigger stuff buried deep within us. And the people that are designing these things are very smart. Casino games, are ve- designers are very smart. They're all about, like, trying to get your little dopamine hits going. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's that I, I used the word evil earlier because I genuinely believe that there's um, very significant manipulation going on to benefit a small number of people at the cost of a large number of people. Um, okay, another tidbit that I researched. This is from Chris Eaton, who's the executive director for, at the International Center for Sports Security. Right? He says up to 1 billion euros are bet on each Premier League match. And that's like including legal and illegal gambling. Yeah, and the percentage of gambling globally that is illegal is a huge, huge percentage. Right. I think but, I think he said something like eighty percent. Yeah, it? that was the figure that I saw recently. But the thing cool. about that number is, of course, that includes like if me and you, Dan, are like, "Oh, I bet you a fiver that United will beat Chelsea," and you're like, "Yeah, okay, you're on." That's technically illegal gambling, I believe. You know, why would um, you ever bet that right now? <laughs> I certainly would. I wouldn't. I, it might not come as a massive shock to anyone listening to this that I'm not a gambler, <laughs> um, and I certainly wouldn't make that bet. You'd have to offer me a hell of a price anyway. 
<laughs> Yo, so Paul, have you ever bet in your life? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Like, uh, okay. basically, almost everything that I don't do now, I've done once, <laughs> uh, at, at, at least. Um, yeah, I am. Um, I, I, when I was. When I was about 18, I got weirdly into horse racing, which I have, like, was because I was not in a good place in my life, to be honest. Um, I've never placed a bet on a football match, but that's mostly because, like, football betting was nowhere near what it is now uh, when I was younger. Um, so, like, like, sometimes I do look at, like, the odds and, like... Look at my bank account, and I'm like, yo, if I put my whole bank account on this, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd end up with like a hundred thousand or whatever it is. Like when when Leicester won the title, and I think they had like five thousand to one odds. I was like, yo, so if I put five thousand of my dollars on that, that would be like what, like twenty five million or something like that. Uh, yeah, but you they probably wouldn't pay you that twenty five million. That's the, really? the other thing. Yeah, there were there. There are exceptions to that. Leicester, actually, the Leicester 5,000 to 1 is a bit of an exception to that because they there was so much publicity around that number that they almost kind of have to pay it out as a PR thing. But um, but you uh, you won't always get your big payouts if you make enormous wins in bookmaking. Really? Isn't that illegal? Uh, I am not sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure they don't do any. They're not out there doing stuff that's illegal, but there's all manner of loopholes and stuff like that. So, yeah. That was kind of the end of my stats. The other one is just a thing on suicide that kind of shocked me. It says addicts are six times more likely to have suicidal thoughts. Yes. That's, that's something I wrote down. But... Definitely. I mean, I, I don't know whether how you would exactly quantify the percentage and the yeah, I mean that's that but but it's it's there's definitely lots of people that have killed themselves because of gambling addiction, and certainly people who've got themselves to the point of being close to that because it feels like a trap you can't get out of. And by the way, if you're struggling, it is a trap that you can get out of. Help is out there, and um, it's it, even when you feel like you've tried and tried and tried and tried and it hasn't worked. The way addiction recovery works is you try and try and try and it doesn't work, and then one time you do it and it works, and your life's much better forever, basically. And that's you know, relapse is part of recovery, so you know, that the cycle of addiction is broken by very rarely is the cycle of addiction broken at the first attempt. But if you keep trying, it will inevitably be broken if you have the right support around you. I'll, I'll go to both of you with this. I guess it's kind of the final point here. Do you think? that the gambling culture in the UK is too far gone to ever be kind of brought back or reeled in any, or is this just what it is? Unless there's a massive seismic cultural change, I think that it is so embedded and so normalized that it, it's going to be quite hard for it to turn. Basically, the only way that it's going to turn is if, let's say, you have a major story where, like, this family, preferably white <laughs> family, have, like... <laughs> Their son or this thingy was betting, preferably, basically, preferably white, preferably upper middle class. If let's say their son gets into gambling, spends a lot, and then they lose a lot of money, then they commit suicide. It's a major big story. That's and happened. That would... That's happened thousands of times. That 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 exact scenario you just described has happened at least hundreds of times this century. Um, that that's not a story. That would not be a story. It would be it would be a one page story, and there's no you know, and that's oh, no, no, because I've because basically I've never heard of a maybe I've, I've missed it, but I've never heard of a story of like a white middle upper class family where their child 
committed suicide because they lost a lot, of, a lot of money through gambling. I've not really heard that story. Because if, let's say, if the person is from a poor family, lower middle class family, black, Asian or something, oh, then who cares? If it's a upper <laughs> middle class, white family... Uh, now, listen, li listen, I, I, I think I... Of course, uh, basically, I, when when it comes to questions of race, I'll always listen to what your guys' experience is above my own because I know it's a different level of experience, and it's it's. But this particular subject, this particular one, this doesn't respect. This not doesn't respect. This doesn't care about. This this is a prevalent problem at all different levels and obviously if you're more insulated from problems in general so if you're more financially insulated or socially insulated but um th this one there are definitely plenty of rich people that have killed themselves because of gambling that's that's not a, that's a complete like um red herring to look in that direction because i think for me my thing is the particular kind of ingredients of what happens because obviously 100 well, they've been rich people but maybe that rich person was in their 40s a father an older person a bash or something my main thing is a particular concoction white upper middle class it's the son it's the daughter it's of a family that's very maybe linked into the royal family linked into a very rich powerful family once that happens they get really sad, and then that family now says, hmm, this whole gambling thing, this gambling thing really affected us. They, they go on to Good Morning Britain. They go on to BBC News. They tell the story of how their child was very much into gambling. We didn't really know about this sort of stuff, and we're not talking question about gambling advertising. It's that particular concoction that okay, I feel so I just, the beginnings of changing the thing. I just Googled young man kills himself because of gambling addiction. The mm -hmm. first result from that Google search in the Telegraph, the home of the, it's a very right wing upper class paper. <laughs> young accountant was driven to suicide by gambling addiction. His father says Joshua Jones had gained a job with one of the world's most prestigious accountancy firm. A young high flying accountant who plunged to his death from a London skyscraper died of sham shame after his online Shit. gambling addiction spiraled out of control. His father said 23 years old price waterhouse Cooper. You know what I'm saying? Like that was in April, 2016, that story is happening. And that, uh, that's the, the first result of, the google search um you will find plenty all the way down the line the industry is way more powerful than one high profile story the only way this culture changes if is as if culture changes in huge i mean sweeping ways basically not to get too uh, into it here but you would be talking about this would need the death of capitalism for this to change because there's just far too much money involved in my opinion these are some of the biggest most profitable most protected corporations in england you know i mean ladbrokes is is huge it's huge so once you're dealing with corporations that have their claws seeped into the very <clears throat> important fabric of English society and England really, really knows how to protect particular institutions. I think, which is what Paul said, like there just has to be a complete culture change, complete and total culture change. And that's you're, you're looking at 20, 25, 30 years for 
a culture to 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 really change. So uh, basically, in my opinion, Dan, the 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 answer to that question would be like, um, how would you change the culture of Las Vegas to be not about gambling? Like Britain is basically one giant Las Vegas. Every street corner, like every pub has a fruit machine in it. That's like a slot machine. Um, every uh, every motorway service station. So if you drive from one city to another and you stop to get a cup of coffee, there'll be a little area uh, set off a side with an 18 only sign on it and a lot of gambling machines behind it just because you want to stop and get a cup of coffee. Like that's, that's the extent of it. You know how um, in Las Vegas, I only know this from this. I only know from television and movies. Um, there are, there are fruit machines in the super, in the um, airports. There's, yeah, exactly. There's at the end of oceans 13, there's that slot machine in the airport scene. That's literally what I was thinking of um, here. There's, uh, there would be like you wouldn't even there's slot machines at every railway station in the country like there's slot machines in chip shops this is this country is one giant vegas so yeah if you wanted to it, it's the same question like could there ever not be a gambling culture in vegas that's the same as the question of could there ever be in britain damn i, I think that that this is one of those things where hope would be on a not hope present i don't mean present company i mean the concept the actual concept of hope comes from individual change uh, and the you know what's really important is if that you're caught in that trap or you know people that are caught in that trap um that you know that change is possible on that level on a personal level like recovery is possible that's that's where you would target your energies because trying to destroy the gambling industry listen uh, you know there's just you, how, how do we destroy anything that's worth that kind of money it's it's I don't know how that's done. Do you know what? Okay. I feel like if you were pro gambling, I would ask you like the same question, but in reverse. Like, do you have anything good to say about it? Paul is clearly anti gambling. Uh, no, I am I am anti the gambling industry. Yeah, anti that... the gambling. It's like, do you have any is there anything redeeming about this thing? About the gambling industry? Yeah. And uh, no, I don't believe the gambling industry. <laughs> I mean it offers I don't know, some people get employment out of it or whatever. Do you That's... know what? Do you know, I, I feel like I feel like we've had conversations like you, you know how if you listen to I don't even want to put names out there. So you know if you listen to certain podcasts, right? What? Then they like have um just kind of like the 30 second advertisement at the beginning. Yeah. Such and such are giving away um, you know, a free bet here or there. I'm like, yo, I don't think we would ever do that if like a gambling company came up to us and was like, yo, we'll give you X amount of money. It's probably really easy to take, but I, I, I don't think I, I, I don't think I could do it morally. So I've been running a podcast, which I would describe as like, I mean, it's not on the level of those kind of podcasts, but it's pretty successful as like, you know, two mates talking about football podcasts go. Um, and the up until quite recently, almost literally the only sponsorship we've ever been offered has been gambling sponsorship and that's why we're crowdfunded we don't take i'm not taking those people's money never 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 like um if you need to feed your family you need to feed your family but i'm I, that's a totally different kettle of fish um but uh so i'm not you know if, you, if you're if it's life or death for you you do whatever job you have to do right we all know that but um, but personally, I would we never would have contemplated. It was like one of our earliest rules was like absolutely no way we're doing gambling Apple, sponsorship. Apple. Do do we have a price? <laughs> price? What do you mean by price? Like, do do we have a price to where we we would like sell out talking tactics to like a gambling industry? Um, 
178 million. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I might do it for 178 million. I use all that money to fund recovery projects. Yeah. Um, the, 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 um, the Football Ramble, our uh, sponsor, their lead sponsor for the last number of seasons has been a, a betting company, various different betting companies, in fact. And they do this thing every week where they would do a 50 pound bet and the money the proceeds would go to prostate cancer because nothing that companies like this like more than uh, making positive connections to their work um but the i always wanted to do a calculation whereby how much money prostate cancer uk would have got if they'd just given them 50 quid every week rather than gambled whether it'd be more or less over the number of you know they did that i think for two seasons straight mm. um i always thought that'd be an interesting experiment because i'm not sure what the answer was and uh the one thing I would say, like the only positive thing that I would say for, about gambling as a concept is for some people, it's just fun. It's like harmless fun. It wouldn't be my cup of tea for harmless fun. Um, but that that would be the closest thing I would I would get to saying something good about it. I would feel that you should be able to have enough strength to not be sucked into um, overspending your money and gambling. But it is an, I, I have to recognize that it is an addiction. So, even if I feel that I've got the willpower, because again, real Ronaldo lost me five pounds in 2006. <laughs> ever since then, I said I'd never gambling again. But that's just me. Some people were like, okay, I lost, but maybe I'll go back. For me, I was like, no, once I lost it, he still owes me five pounds. That's it. I'm never gambling again. But I can't speak for everyone. So not everyone has my kind of willpower. So um, for those people that don't have that kind of willpower, you know, I think people gambling companies have to really think about are you really on the right side of morality the way that you're going about doing this stuff yeah so. and just it's incredibly toxic and insidious and damaging and and wrong and spreading wrong ideas and wrong mythologies about mental health in general to ever use the word strength anywhere near a conversation like this because it has no, it's like saying i'm too strong to be depressed too mentally strong to be depressed it's nonsense the word strength has nothing to do with it um it's all about uh incredibly complicated neurological processes um and uh, a combination of like uh, inherited vulnerabilities and life experience uh, vulnerabilities that have come about as a consequence of life experience and the kind of incredible complex web of other factors too like nutrition environment all sorts of different things that leave a brain vulnerable or not vulnerable to a particular kind of addiction so the idea that people should be strong enough to make good decisions is just completely it's like one of the most dangerous myths in our society basically and 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 essentially that's how the gambling industry exists is this kind of you know uh george monby up the the he writes about the uh, climate crisis a lot and he talks about um i've heard the i yeah, the idea that he wrote a beautiful article where he was talking about the idea that um, this the climate, the the causal, the um, collective response to the climate crisis should be individuals making small changes in their life is like not that you shouldn't do that. But this is like the key neoliberal myth of our times. Basically, it's the lie of capitalism that says if you just make better decisions, this wouldn't be happening. But actually, it's effectively about massive global polluters on a scale way beyond any of our imaginings that have nothing or very little to do with the choices that we make and in fact have imposed choices upon us for generations. So with gambling, like the idea that you can, in fact, the gambling ads literally say, 
bet responsibly or that's that's one of the taglines i believe they certainly do that with drink drink responsibly it's like uh you just don't understand brain chemistry because you literally have diminished ability to act responsibly when you're in the grip of an addiction so it's not about willpower and it's not about strength um where willpower starts to come into it is that it's important to think about willpower like a muscle. So um, willpower is something that can be built where it is lacking. Um, and that's that's where willpower becomes a useful idea because when you're in recovery, you need to do lots of small acts that help you slowly build willpower over time, not just believe that, oh my God, I'm too weak to do this. So yeah, sorry. I, I feel like I've talked nonstop. This is a subject very close to my heart, as you can tell. No, it's cool. Do you want to like make fun of Man United for a minute just to like lighten the mood a bit? Because <laughs> are you welcome to? You are welcome to. Have hope. You got you got any bars ready to ready to no, go? No, 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 no. Like I have no. Like let me see. Like there's there's nothing more needs to be. That, that it's not even funny anymore. There's nothing more. You know what I heard? <laughs> it's you, still you funny. I heard? I, I heard Mourinho is being linked with the job again. <laughs> is that true? Say it's not funny one. I've not heard that. That you've okay, but you have just done it. You've just linked Mourinho with the job, so that's, <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. The one thing I was if like, I so power. I was so happy that Solskjaer got the job. So happy because I love him so much, and I definitely believed it was possible. But I just want to say it's that just because fault, just because I'm an idiot about football doesn't mean that all the rest of the stuff I said today, this is something I actually know stuff about. <laughs> Not fun like football. You, like, you, you know, Sosa is partly your fault. Like you came back on Twitter to help stoke the <laughs> PSG celebrations. So you, you, you are blameless. I very nearly came back on Twitter because uh of the colleen rooney thing it's just like i just just want to get in on the jokes but instead i just read i still Carl's don't know what timeline. that's about like i haven't taken the time out to read anything so this is the best football story in 50 years i don't i don't give a shit <laughs> no the not the not caring about this i get it right in a way but the fun that you miss out on by not caring about this story you miss out on some really good tweets, Dan. That's all I'm saying. Well, there you go. So yeah, this is <laughs> this is this is our podcast with Paul. I don't. Are we going to come back on Monday, Double H, or you think this is good enough? No, no, no. I, I think we should we should use this for the Monday thing, man. All right, cool. So, so yeah, this is, this is Talking Texas podcast. Paul and Swords, we thank you. Can I just can I ask one question? You can. But this is that this is a genuine genuine question. Um. How are how are the Nigerian national team getting on? Hope are they like looking looking good for next big tournaments? Um, no, no. For me, I think I think what they've realised is that they're they're bringing in the younger people. So obviously, Victor Osima is obviously the main striker now, and he's been doing amazing stuff for 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 Lille. And obviously, um, what's it called? And Chokchokese from Villarreal. Is uh, I think what it's basically it's you just have to just wait and see. But yeah. I think the, the 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 good thing is that. It's now the younger team. So Mikel has retired, Egala has retired, of the older guys have retired, and I think it's you're now seeing some interesting young boys now coming to coming through the the team. So hopefully with that, you know, maybe things will be bright. So see what happens on Sunday against Brazil. Good luck. Yeah. Right. Good luck to the Super Eagles. Merci, merci. Thank you. Yo, can I? Ask, why are what what why do the women's team have a different name than the men's team? 
Oh, no, no. All the, basically, the... York, and, and all the knights, all the things have different names, called, right? Like the Golden Eaglets, I believe. Then they've... Okay. No, I think, yes, basically, the old Golden Eaglets, I think, is under 17. The Flying Eagles are the under 20, 20 21. Falcons are the women's team, Super Eagles are the men's team. So every iteration has a different name. I kind of like that. I think that's pretty cool. Well, that was just something I wondered. It's like, why does every every team have a different name? But anyway, talking tactics podcasts. Um, Paul, where, where where can people find you? Yeah, if you like listening to people cry into microphones about how terrible Manchester United are, then uh, you can listen to our podcast, which um, is the United Rankcast. We we do it roughly once a week. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and if you like pictures of um, the nature that I see, then you can follow me on Instagram <laughs> at Peaceful Paul. Do you, are you ever inside? <laughs> I'm always inside, but I don't take many photos inside. Okay. Have hope. Where, where can people get you? Sit me up on Twitter at Havelport or hit my website, com. You should follow Hope on instagram because this is really good really good instagram like little good little clips about what he thinks about movies and football matches and yeah, what is that yeah, yeah. I, I actually i mean because i, I would want to try and do more 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 insta lives now and everything you know but um but yeah man but also i'll also like something whenever paul posts his um could we post something random but very soothing you know? <laughs> so it, it, may, it may be like some place with like flowers coming through, but it's like, what well, is a very pretty picture? But it just sort of soothes you. So I think it's like the soothing soul. Or, 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 do you uh, is this all with like your camera phone, or do you have like an actual no, 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 camera? It's, it's all with the phone, man, which okay. is mad. Or, like, I can't get over how good you can take photos with camera phones nowadays. Oh, it's, it's amazing, it's amazing. Anyway, yeah, I'm at Daniel to look. This is at Talking Tactics. Um, yeah, yo, have hope. I watch yeah. Joker, so we can talk about that. All right, all right. <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk. I just want to talk very briefly. Did you like, not like, didn't care? Didn't care. <laughs> no, no, it's Ed game all over again. <laughs> I told you, I told you I watched it. I watched it and I, I, I had a discussion with her. But anyway, yeah, Talking Texas podcast, sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. Andrew, I love we'll see you guys this week. I love this show, by the way. I love this show. So it's such an honor. <laughs> thank, you, thank, you, thank, you. Right. thank you, thank you, thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.